Good morning, Journey Church International. Yeah, I got a little more response from the 830 service. Y'all are supposed to be more awake than them, right? Good morning, everybody. Yes, Uh, my name is Marcellus Casey. Um, I'm the chaplain with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I also do a lot of work um, down in the city in Kansas City. Um, I have a boxing gym down there, uh, so actually one of my boxers is with me. I think he's like helping out with the youth or something, and he didn't want to listen to me this sermon for a second time in a row, so he's around here somewhere. Y'all can pray for him. He's got a fight on Saturday, um, so we hope that he wins that. It would be If he wins, it would be his fifth win in a row. He'd be 5-0, and oh. and so yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Um, so if you're, if you're new here, if you've never heard me speak before, um, I've been married for 17 years. My wife and I, we went to Lee Summit High School, um, uh, right down the street over here. We were high school sweethearts, went to prom together. Um, we have four kids and, um, from 15 down to eight and Journey Church International feels like home to us. Um, I pastor at a small church down in the inner city, but, um, as Christian and Danielle and I and my wife and, and Danielle have developed a friendship, it always feels like I'm coming home, um, when I preach here periodically throughout the year. So we have a heart for you all, um, and just love coming back whenever I can. So I'm going to pray and then, uh, we'll, we'll dive into God's word. Okay. So let's pray together. Heavenly father, I thank you that you are alive and you are real and you speak to us. So God, I'm just trusting that you will speak to us today in the parts of our hearts where it's hard for us to believe in you and in the darker parts of our hearts where it's harder, it's hard for us to trust in you. God, I pray that you would reach down into the depths of our heart and our minds and reveal yourself and show us your faithfulness and how you speak to us today. Uh, We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I love summertime because uh, we're able to get time with our kids and you're able to like vacation and go places. Um, we went to Florida this summer, spent some time on the beach. The beach isn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, I don't necessarily need to work on my tan or anything like that. Um, I'm more of a mountain person. I like going to Colorado and stuff like that. But we went to Florida this summer. And um, we also went to Atlanta, went to Chicago, we went a whole bunch of different places. But this weekend for me is like the end of summer, okay? Not necessarily for my wife and kids, but for me, this is like end of summer because like this is the weekend that Chiefs training camp starts, Okay, so I spend a lot of time going back and forth, going up to St. Joe, eating meals with the guys, being out at practice, um, and just trying to get to know our new guys as well as um, pour in spiritually with our older guys, our veterans. Um, But this weekend, for me, is the end of summer. But it's the start of something special. Okay, so this is the time of the year where in the heat and in boring meeting rooms, our coaches and our staff are pouring into our players an identity. They're they're literally trying to input everything that our players need to know so that once they have their identity inside their hearts, inside their minds, that they can go out on the field and express that identity with authority. Um, We'll have a, a team meeting tomorrow night. And I'll never forget the team meeting that I was in two seasons ago where Clark Hunt, our owner, stood up in front of the team and he told them the goal this year is to win a Super Bowl. And for me, it was my first team meeting being in there, and, and it was the, the first night of training camp, and everybody, all the players were in there. And Andy Reid, our coach, got up and said the same thing. Everybody was on the same page about what we were doing, and that was the goal, and that's what we did that year. 
man, when I think about the end of our season last season and when we played the Buffalo Bills, it was the best football game that I've ever seen in my life. Um, one of the players actually paid for five of my boxers to go to the game. So all my boxers are high schoolers. This is their first Chiefs game ever, and they went to the playoff game when we played the Buffalo Bills. Like, isn't that crazy? And our players, they don't get, they get two tickets for free, but the rest of the tickets they pay for personally. So if you ever ask them for tickets or anything, they're like paying for those. So this player literally just paid for all these guys to go, and they got to see that. Well, at the end of this game, I'll never forget when there was only 13 seconds left on the clock. And my wife and I, we have, the Chiefs give us nice seats to be at the game and everything. And I'll never forget the row behind us literally left. Like the whole row was gone. The row in front of us was gone. 13 seconds left of the game. And people were just like, man, we lost this game. So what I did was like, there were still some people around us. So I climbed into the row behind us and I was just like freaking out mentally, spiritually, (laughs) I'm like, I just like, I need, I just needed some space. I'm like, I can't have anybody around me. I just need to sit by myself and like ask God to like restore my faith and restore my belief. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I'm thinking like our season can't be over like this. Not right now. Like I was just, now my wife and um, she's amazing. And there's so many reasons to love my wife, but she knows football. So she's like, sell us. We still have timeouts. And I'm like, oh, like that, you know, I'm like, I can place my hope in that. We have a couple timeouts. Um, but the beautiful thing that happened was as we had that 13 seconds left and we, and we returned the kickoff and then Travis Kelsey started communicating with Patrick Mahomes. And they saw something, they saw an opening of a play that they could run that could work, that could help get us into field goal position. And what they did was, is instead of doing exactly what the coaches said, they expressed their own authority and they said, we need to do this because we see this and we're going to act on it and make it happen. And that's what they did. And it turned out to be very successful for us. We won that game. It gave us a chance to win. I believe that as we look at Matthew chapter 16 and as we look at patterns of how God deals with people and relates to people, he is often instilling into us an identity, speaking to us who we are, telling us how to live, but then giving over the keys and letting us drive the car. He, he allows us to participate in a meaningful way in what he has created and what he has set up. And that's a beautiful thing that all of us should really, really enjoy about our lives. The fact that God loves us so much and he made us so unique and so different from any other thing that he created that we are literally able to participate in his glory. We're able to participate in his plan. We're not just robots. We're not just animals. We're not like the trees. We're not like the flowers. We're not like the sun, but we have the ability to make decisions, to pray prayers, to to make action, to, to express the identity that God has put into us into meaningful action. That's what it means to be the church. I'm giving away like my whole sermon right now, but I'm just like excited to be here, excited to say all this stuff because it's real and it's true. Like there's a lot of things in your community and in your family 
and in your life that you, you might pass by that thing and be like, man, it would be really cool if our church did something about that. We should like clean up that parking lot or man, there's some people hungry over there. It'd be really good if my church, you know, started a new program to go over there and feed them. And God's looking at you like you are my church. You are my people. Like, I want to give you vision. I want to shape you with the things that you're passionate about, with the things that you're called to do. There is no youth pastor that has the spiritual authority over your kids that a mom and dad are supposed to have. Like, we don't outsource the the spiritual leadership of what it means to pour into our kids. We don't outsource the spiritual leadership even of of leading our families in God's word. We don't outsource the leadership of our time with God just to podcast and to to listening to other things. But, But we engage with a God who is holy and who loves us and who desires to be with us. The God that gives us an identity. The God that gives us a name the God that entrusts authority to us. And, and we see this pattern over and over in scripture. So if you think about Adam, like God took from the dirt and he formed Adam in, in the first few pages of Genesis, in the first few pages of your Bible, and he breathes life into Adam. And then he gives Adam the responsibility and Eve the responsibility to be fruitful and to multiply. We thank God for that responsibility. Um, as a joke. Um, you can laugh. <laughs> I, I thank God for that responsibility. Maybe you guys don't. Um, <laughs> he told them to be fruitful and multiply, but he also gave them the authority to name things, to say what things are, to define their surroundings. Um, we see God doing the same thing with Abraham. We see God doing the same thing with Moses. We even see God doing the same thing with his son, Jesus. Where, where Jesus said, hey, I've come here to do the will of my father. The authority of heaven and all the glory of heaven existed inside of Jesus and in who Jesus was. He was, he was the personification of God here on earth. And we see that God in his authority spoke from heaven and crowds of people heard God say, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And Jesus, as his identify, his identity was, was said to all these masses of people, he was able to live that out and do the will of his father here on earth. So now as we look at Matthew chapter 16, we see Jesus doing a very similar thing with his disciple Peter. In telling Peter who he is and giving him an identity and then also calling him to walk in victory. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, it says this. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was, that he was the Christ. So there's three things from this passage that I'm hoping that we all see this morning. There's, there's a ton of things to see in this passage, but there's three that I hope you see. The number one, that we have to know who Jesus is. We have to know him. What is his identity? The second thing is that as we know who Jesus is, we know who we are. So we need to know who Jesus is. And secondly, we need to know who we are. And the third thing that I hope we see is that in Christ, we get to walk in victory. So as we get to know who Jesus is, we see in Matthew 16 that Jesus asks his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And they, they spat back out at him, hey, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist, some people are saying that you're Elijah, some people are saying that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All the people that they, that they mentioned are good people. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. Elijah um, did miraculous and powerful works as a prophet. Um, Jeremiah embodied God's heart for God's people. The prophets spoke on God's behalf. All these people were wildly impactful for God's people, but they weren't Jesus. And in our world today, like if you went and you asked your coworkers, you asked your friends or you asked your neighbors, hey, who do you think Jesus is? They might not say Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets, but the world around us has ideas about who Jesus is. Some people might say, oh, he's a good person. He's a good wisdom leader. He's a good teacher. He's somebody that's a good example to follow. He's somebody, you know, that we like having around but they might not exactly know who Jesus is. So the thing is, is that we can't follow who the world says that Jesus is. And we have to wrestle to know who Jesus is for ourselves. So in some ways, like, I think many times as American Christians, we take for granted too much where we just take from our pastor that Jesus is God. Like, you need to know that on your own. Like nobody's telling you that it's wrong for you to order some theological books off of Amazon, to dig deeper, to, to know more, to listen more, to wrestle with God like Jacob did and ask more of God. God, I want to know you more. I want to know who your son is. I want to know why your son came. I want to know what you're doing in this arc of history. I want to know what you're up to, to where we're not just receiving sermons, where we're not just receiving information, but we are wrestling with who is Jesus? Who does the world say he is? Who do other people say he is? And who do I believe that he is? So Jesus put that responsibility back on them. And he said this, he says, who do you say that Jesus is? He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered correctly. Simon Peter says in verse 16, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was basically saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting on. You're the one that the Old Testament prophesies about and speaks about. He basically was saying that Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king. 
He fulfills all of those roles in a way that no other prophet, that no other significant leader in in biblical history ever has. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Okay, so that's what God did in that time is he had prophets who would come and they would speak on behalf of God. They would hear directly from God and then they had a responsibility to go back to God's people, whether it was through writing or speaking or even making illustrations um, with objects where they would speak back, hey, this is what God is saying to our people right now. So the author of Hebrews is saying this is how God was speaking in those days. Then he says this in verse 2, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir to be heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 3 says this, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Then it goes on to say this, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The author of Hebrews like packs in there so much of who Jesus is. He, he's, he's, he's embodying the glory of who God is. And at the same time, he's making purification for our sins. And at the same time, he's also sitting in authority in heaven. That is our God. That's our king. The one who still speaks, the one who loves us, the one who answers our prayers. Our prayers actually mean something because we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, because we have access to to a conversation with God through prayer because of Jesus dying for our sins. Jesus isn't just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a wise person. He's not just a good example. He is our God that we worship, that we serve, and that we follow. He's our king. He's our priest. He's our prophet. That's who our God is. And once we know who Jesus is, then then Jesus begins to, to, to shape who we are and tell us who we are. So we have to know who we are. You have to know who you are. And there's three things that, that Jesus did um, after Peter answered correctly who Jesus is. Listen to what Jesus says to him. In verse 18 of Matthew chapter 16, he says, I tell you, Peter, he says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on this earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So the first thing that that Jesus did was he blessed Peter. He says, you are blessed. He says, you know me, guess what? You are blessed. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In another version of that, it says that we are God's masterpiece. Like we've been shaped by God. We've been made by God. We are loved by God before eternity even started. Like we are loved by God before the world was ever created. God knew who you were. He knew how he was making you to be. He knew who he was making you to be. And he loved you before the world was ever even created. 
before you ever made a mistake, before you ever spoke a word, before anybody on this earth knew your name, God loved you. God made you. God has, has, has placed his love and his affection upon you. You can't earn that love. You can't gain that love. Like when God says that you are blessed and I love you and I'm here for you, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but then he's just like, you're not going to lose. He's like, I'm about to give you victory. Like you are the church. Like, like you are not going to lose. I didn't make you to be a loser. I made you to be my child. I didn't say this in the first service, but like, man, I used to like hate going to my karate classes when I was a kid without my dad. I just hated it. Like for some reason, like whenever I went to like my karate class with my dad, and, you know, karate is about, like, fighting and, you know, you got other men and other boys around. Like, I just always felt so strong, like, when I showed up with my dad. Nothing against my mom. I love my mom. But it's just like, man, my dad's here with me. I'm about to go out here and compete. I'm about to go out here and learn some things. I can be violent and strong. And it's like, because, like, I feel like I've got my dad here with me. You know? And like, it's, it's a very similar thing when you know, like I have the blessing of God on my life, something that I didn't earn, nothing that I did to get this or to gain this, but God gave this to me. The second thing that, that Jesus did in this time was that he gave Simon the name Peter. He named him. God, Jesus used his authority to change the identity of Simon to Peter. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 2 through 3, it says this. It says, the nations shall, shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So Isaiah is, is, a, is a really cool book. And like... With like the Chiefs players and with my boxers and like people that I disciple, like I love sending people Bible verses. And like you send verses like this or you send verses like Ephesians chapter 2. And like it's really easy to lose those in context. You know, like Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 1, before you get down to verse 10, it's like, you know, um, we, you are now dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You know, and it's like you're moving from that identity of like a sinful person to verse 10 of like you're God's masterpiece. And Isaiah, like there's all these beautiful things things that God says about people through the prophet Isaiah, but, and and it's easy to lose because Isaiah and and Jeremiah, like they're books that are up and down. They're books that are dealing with the tragedy of God's people's sin, as well as calling them to the identity of who he made them to be. But what I want you to hear is, is that God in his faithfulness did not lose their identity because of their sin. He continued to tell them who they are. He continued to call them to who he created them to be, to their real purpose, to what he he desired for them to be. And what that means is, is that, you know, whoever your parents, if if your parents spoke negative things over your life when you were a kid, that's not your name. That's not who you are. You're not who you were when you were in middle school the decisions you made in high school, the decisions you made in college, even decisions you made last week. Some of you might be in a period of repentance and brokenness right now because of of things that you did that were tragic last year or last month or last week or yesterday. 
And no matter where you're at on that spectrum, God is saying, I love you. And I have a new name for you. I have a new life for you. I have redemption for you. I have hope for you. Like when it feels like 13 seconds on the clock and everything's over and the season is over and there's nothing we can do about this. Like those are the moments where God shines, where God is like, let me show you how I can forgive your sin. Let me show you how I can make you a new person. Let me show show you how I can give you a new name so that you can walk in a new way and be a completely transformed new being, a new person. Like that's what God does. He changes stuff. He shifts stuff. He makes things new. And nobody else can do that. He gives a new name. The next thing that that, that Jesus gave and, and that he spoke over Simon, who he named Peter, was he made him victorious. In Revelations chapter 3, um, John has vision of victory for God's church. Where while he was on the island of Patmos, God was speaking to him and revealing to him not only the future, but also the present of the victory of Jesus for Christians and God's church. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. It says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. What does that mean? That means that like, just like Jesus said to Peter, he says, I will, on this rock, I will build my church. It means that God is choosing you to build his church. When you think of like, what is Journey Church International? What is God's church on this earth? It's you. God has chosen you. All of you. All of your story. Parts of your story that nobody else in this world knows about. Things that you've done that nobody else knows about. All of your story, all of your experience, all of your life, all of your gifts, all of your weaknesses, the things that you hate about your personality and the things that you love about your personality. God wants all of it for his church. He wants all of you. He says, I pick you. I choose you. He could have he he picked all perfect people. He could have picked a way to do the church and give away authority on this earth in any way he chose to. He could have given it to angels. He could have given it to animals. He could have done a lot of different things, but he chose us. He says, this is the way I want to do it. When I ascend into heaven, when Jesus ascended into heaven and then gave his Holy Spirit and said, I want my authority to be expressed on this earth. He chose to do it through us. And he gives us the opportunity to walk in victory. Like how great is that, that like before you even start a game, before you even start a day, before you even start a project, and God is like, you are going to be successful. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I will be with you. My wife is in seminary right now. And I'll never forget in high school, like we'd be on the phone late at night and like... And and she'd be like, all right, I got to go. Uh, I got to study. I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I would like do my homework as fast as I can. Actually, uh, Chuck Harrelson's in here. He's one of my high school teachers. He can, he can prove all of this. 
<laughs> I'll do my high, I'll, I'll do my, I'll do my schoolwork as fast as I could, put it away. You know, I got practice tomorrow. I got football tomorrow. I got, you know, whatever. But my wife, she would stay up and she would study and study and study. We got to college. I went to Northwest Missouri State. She went to Mizzou and I would talk to her late at night on the phone. She's like, I, I got to get off the phone. I got to study. Like, that's my wife. Like, she is smart. She's amazing. She loves to study. My wife is in seminary right now and my wife is in a really tough, seminary program uh, through Northern Seminary in Chicago. And she like leaves and goes to these intensives and studies and does all this stuff. But she gets A's, period. That's like, that's all she does. A's, A's, A's. And she gets so nervous. And she's like, I got to write this paper and I got to do this presentation. And I got this test. And she just, and then when it's all done, she gets an A. And she's like, my professor said that it was like one of the best in the class. And like, and it's just like, yeah, baby, like that's who you are. Like you, you win, you get A's. And so she has a paper right now that's due on August 1st. And like, as I've been praying over her and spending time with her the past few weeks, I'm like, baby, you get A's. Like, that's what you do. Like you win, like it's okay. And it's like, and I'm trying to like, in a very serious way, get that into her identity. And that doesn't mean that she's just going to get an A without working for it. But it means that like, that's her identity. She is a hard worker. She loves what she's doing. She loves God's word. God is with her. God finds delight when she's studying and when she's invested in his word into learning and to knowing. And when God has called you to something, he is with you in it and he wants you to succeed in it. He wants to be with you in it. Doesn't mean you won't struggle. Doesn't mean you won't get bad grades sometimes, but he does want victory for his people and for his church. He's called you to be a part of it. Um, when we're walking in victory, we see in Matthew 16 verses 19 and 20 that it says this. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then verse 20 says, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So there's ways that we personally do our good works that are rooted in who Jesus is and who we are. And there's ways that we collectively do good works and walk in victory in the ways that Jesus has called us to. In John chapter 21, verse 15, um, uh, Jesus is reminding Peter of who he is. Because after Jesus renamed him and after Jesus called out his identity, Peter failed Jesus. Peter messed up. Peter rejected Jesus. And after Jesus resurrected and before he ascended, Jesus is like, man, let me have a conversation with you and remind you who you are. In John chapter 21, verse 15, Jesus um, says this. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, there's something I want you to notice. Um, In the text, it says Jesus said to Simon Peter, but then as Jesus addressed him, he just says Simon. He calls him by his old name. And it's almost like a little jab at him. It's like, you know who you really are. I'm going to call you by your old name because you're acting real Simon right now, and I want you to be Peter. Okay? I'm going to remind you of who you were, but I also want to remind you of who you really are. And then he he invites him into authority. He doesn't say, hey, hey, Simon, do you love me? And, and, And Simon's saying back to him, yes, God, I love you. 
And he says, well, you know, maybe someday you'll be a part of what I'm doing again. But right there, he says, no, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He gives leadership. He gives authority back to him. That's what God does with us personally when he calls us to work out or walk out our good works in victory. Then collectively, he does this in Matthew chapter 28, where he tells us and he gives us the authority to walk out and to live. When you look at Matthew chapter 16 in verse 20, Jesus actually says to the people, hey, don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah. That's what he says in Matthew 16. If you fast forward to Matthew 28, he's saying, go tell everybody because I've died, I've risen again, and I'm about to ascend into authority. And this is what he said in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We pray the prayer all the time. God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we think about like what is bound on earth as it is in heaven, what is loose on, on, in heaven as it is in earth, we're saying, God, man, I know that my prayers matter. I know that talking to my neighbors matter. I know that how I lead my family matters. I know that how I live matters because I am the church. When you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and you trust in him and you lean all of your identity onto him, you are his church. We're not waiting on Journey Church International to do what God has called you to do but we actually get to join up together and be the rocks that God uses to call his church because he has named us something different than what we used to be. There was a a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and his name was Michael King. And um, at one point, after having a few kids and pastoring for a while, this pastor decided to go to Europe to do some more study. As he was in there, in in Europe, he studied Martin Luther and the Reformation. And as he was studying Martin Luther, he was so overwhelmed by the courage of Martin Luther. And he was so overwhelmed by the movement of the Reformation that he renamed himself. So Michael King renamed himself Martin Luther King. He was so impressed by this that when he traveled all the way home back to Atlanta, Georgia, he renamed his five-year-old son Martin Luther King Jr. Gave him a new name. Can you imagine giving your five-year-old kid a different name? Show up to kindergarten. Hey, Michael. Hey, it's Martin now. (laughs) But there was so much conviction in what he learned. There was so much belief and passion and fervor behind what God was shaking up in his heart that he renamed his son. He renamed himself. And the power of doing that created a son who lived with conviction, who lived with purpose, who lived with focus. God the Father sent his son, Jesus, with a name that is above every name. 
who names other people and gives us the ability to walk in the same authority that he walked in. So my question is, what are you naming things? If we're like Adam and God gives us the ability to name things and walk in authority, like what are you naming your neighbors? Do you just name that neighbor across the street? Oh, well, he's, he's a drunk. He'll never come to church. Do you name that person at your school? Oh, well, they're, you know, they're gay. Like, you know, they, they think differently than I do. And, you know, I could never imagine them raising their hands like worshiping God. Oh, that person's lazy. That person's this. That person's that. What do you, what do you, what kind of words do you use with your kids? Are you calling them to greatness? Because God wants us to name people like our neighbors and say, that person was made in the image of God, and I'm praying that they come to know who Jesus is. That person over there is deeply loved by God who created everything, and I want them to know who he is. So I'm going to move towards them in relationship. I'm going to be the church. I'm going to be one of the rocks that builds the building of the church. I'm going to be one of the people that walks in the authority of God, believing God that he's given me victory, that he's calling me to live out these visions, these passions, these giftings that he's given me at my workspace with my coworkers, with my teammates, with my classmates. We have a responsibility to name things and walk in authority in a purposeful and in a prayerful way. So think about that. Think about what it would look like to change your own name, to change your kid's name, that something in your life mattered that much, that you would alter your life, that you would change around your bank, bank account, that you would move to another country, move to another neighborhood, that you would sell something, that you would buy something, that you would make a move in your life that's like, God, I know that you have called me to walk in authority, to pray prayers that are dangerous, to live a life that is risky, all to be your church and to live out the great commission that you've called me to. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for allowing us to participate in what is heavenly and to participate in what matters. God, your glory matters. People knowing who you are in this world matters. People seeing that there's a beautiful God that loves them matters. So I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us strength. For those of us who don't know you, I pray that you would give us salvation so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.